You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College episode number 247, Rutherford B. Hayes, part two. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. So Jason, the last thing we know about Rutherford B. Hayes that we just found out at the end of last episode, which by the way, if you didn't listen to it, you really probably should. Rutherford B. Hayes gets elected and he wins over Democrat Alexander Long. So he's in the House of Representatives now and he gets together and gets sworn in. And there's a huge Republican majority that Hayes is a part of. And uh, of course, you know, he considers himself more of a moderate. uh, But if it helps the party, hey, I'll vote for the radicals. Why not? And the really big thing that they pushed for uh, during that that session was the 14th Amendment. And the 14th Amendment, uh, of course, is one of the amendments dealing with reconstruction and it's a huge mess and it's a huge litigation and everything like that Uh, but what you need to know is that Hayes is pretty much in line with the Republicans on the reconstruction issues that hey the south they should be brought back into the union but we're not going to do it without allowing for freedmen and you know other black people in the south especially to have the same rights that everybody else does so because of the way he was very much in line with the Republicans, you're not going to be very much in line with President Andrew Johnson because we all know about Johnson and the way he felt about readmitting the states and also how he felt about uh, how to treat the freed slaves. So Hayes was very much against the whole deal of pardoning leading Confederate people. So what they did is they decided to make Andrew Johnson's life somewhat miserable. And, you know, (laughs) that involves impeaching him and um, going against everything that Johnson stood for, just about. But in 1866, Hayes returns and he votes for the Tenure of Office Act. And we all know what that is. That's the act which says, hey, Andrew Johnson, you can't just go and fire all the cabinet people because let's face it, we don't like you and we're going to do everything to make your life inconvenient. But some of the other things that Hayes did while in Washington, other than making Johnson's life miserable, was to really go for a civil service reform bill. And the Republicans wanted this and it didn't happen. Because let's face it, when you're impeaching a president and you're trying to get the country back together, some of these things fall by the wayside. And that's a little foreshadowing for later in the podcast. 
as he's getting ready to wrap up his time in office, a lot of the kind of more reform minded Republicans are like, look, hey, John Sherman, he's the current Republican uh, senator and he stinks, quite frankly. So why don't you go ahead and run against him? And Rutherford B. Hayes is like, you know what? No, not really interested. I really think that we should make sure the party is unified and I'm just going to go back and spend a lot of time with my kids. Yeah, I got some new ones I haven't really spent a lot of time with, so I might as well hang out with them. <laughs> and he goes back home, and uh, you know he's not entirely removed from politics, but uh, he did kind of hope that maybe he would get a cabinet appointment, but he doesn't really get a good cabinet appointment. He gets asked to be the, the U.S. Treasurer, Assistant U.S. Treasurer uh, there in Cincinnati. And he's like, no, that sounds boring. And why don't I just go ahead and run for my old house seat in a few years? And he does that. uh, But he loses the election to Henry Banning. Yeah, because in 1867, Willie Mays, no, not Willie Mays. I just want to call him Willie Mays Hayes, but it's Rutherford B. Hayes. (laughs) Rutherford's just really difficult to say. It is. But in 1867, Rutherford is telling all of his friends that he's going to resign his congressional seat to campaign to become the governor of Ohio. Goes back to Ohio and the Republicans are devastated because the Democrats come and clean house with the exception of the governorship. You've got a Democratic House, you've got a Democratic legislature, and you have Hayes who won by just under 3,000 votes. It's not a lot of votes, Ben, because only... That's not a lot of votes, Ben, because there were about a half a million votes in that election. Wow. 3,000 versus almost a half a million. Yikes. As the governor in his first term, he doesn't have a lot of authority because the Ohio governor at that time had no veto power. And during this time, he does oversee the establishment of a school for uh, deaf mutes and a reform school for girls. He endorses the impeachment, as you well might expect, because of the whole Tenure of Office Act that he helped pass, of Andrew Johnson. He's like, get him out of there. And by the time 1869 rolls around, the Republicans are back in charge Namely, because the Democrat guy who was running for governor was all about supporting the Confederacy. Kind of weird. Anyway, so anyway, he supports Ohio's vote in ratifying the 15th Amendment, which guarantees African-American male suffrage. And, you know. Things are pretty good in Columbus for Hayes and his Republican cronies. He even establishes the State Agriculture and Mechanical College, which later becomes the Ohio State University. I've always wanted to say that, Ben. (laughs) I have no allegiance to the Ohio State University. Because you establish a big, huge state school like that, and you have fought in a war, and you've been a pretty busy guy going all over the country representing your state and uh, your congressional district, you want to retire. So like George Washington, he decides that he's going to retire from politics in 1872. So Hayes really hopes that, you know, he's not going to be able to get into politics because he has a bunch of debt, but then the convention nominates him for governor 
And he's like, okay, I guess I'll do that. So his nominee that he's facing against on the Democratic side is William Allen. And William Allen's main thing is like, hmm, well, hey, Protestants, you know, the, the government might give some financial aid to Catholic schools. And Hayes is, you know, already against this funding. Uh, but he's also like, he's not really anti-Catholic. I mean, he, he is a Protestant, but he's not anti-Catholic. But there's a bunch of people who are very anti-Catholic and that kind of takes him over and of course that helps him uh on his candidacy and he wins um he wins by about 5500 votes and this is history right here he's the first person to earn a third term as the governor of ohio so he does a lot of good while he's there in place uh and then everybody's like hey you know what Hayes is doing a really good job in ohio we should probably think about him for the presidency because natural progression of things. Governor of Ohio, president. Yeah. So the Republicans get together in 1876 for their convention, and everyone knows that Senator John Sherman uh, is going to do everything he can for Rutherford B. Hayes. But James G. Blaine from Maine, ha! you see what I did there, Blaine from Maine? He's the favorite going into the convention. And as all Republican conventions go at that era, Everybody goes in thinking one thing and everybody leaves thinking another thing, actually knowing another thing. And that is that Rutherford B. Hayes, he is our man for president. And William Wheeler from New York, you are the vice presidential nominee. And Hayes thought about that. Um, who is Wheeler? So the Democratic nominee is Samuel Tilden. He's the governor of New York. and. Well, he and Hayes are both like really hardworking, honest guys. And uh, Tilden believes in actual currency being put back into place. So, you know, the gold standard and things like that. And they have a lot more similarities than they do differences. So, you know, neither one of them are campaigning, of course, because that would be considered improper. Uh, so they're sending surrogates out and stuff like that. And, well, Hayes is like, you know what? The whole thing with the economy being kind of in the tank right now it makes people really like the opposite party of what's in power at the time so hayes is kind of worried that maybe he'll lose the election so he focuses a lot of his attention on some swing states and you know stuff like that so the republicans are like look if we let the democrat you know it's fear tactics if we let the democrats run the nation right after the civil war we're gonna have a big issue with Democrats and you know they don't know how to run the government and all that kind of stuff. And the Democrats were like, "Well, look at Tilden; he's done all this good stuff." Oh, and by the way, he uh, he was not corrupt like Grant. So you know that's what happens if you elect somebody like Grant; you get corruption. And of course, people had just remembered the fact that they got rid of Grant a few years previous. So the race is really close. And well, long story short. We still don't know what happens uh, because there are 20 electoral votes uh, that don't really get resolved right away. So on November 11th, this is three days after Election Day, they're like, well, uh, Tilden appears to have won about 184 votes and Hayes appears to have won about 166 votes. But Florida, Louisiana, South Carolina, we don't know where those votes go yet. 
Yeah, keep in mind that Florida, Louisiana, and South Carolina, this is where some serious voter intimidation is going on because Reconstruction is not completely over. It's kind of over, but it's not. But in Florida, Louisiana, and South Carolina, African Americans, it's rough. It is absolutely horrible to try to go to the polling place and peacefully cast your ballot and go home and enjoy life as normal. You're going to be intimidated. And that's precisely what people in Congress were thinking when it comes down to counting the votes. So here we are in March and Inauguration Day is getting close. And the Republicans and the Democrats all get together in Washington and they're like, okay, we're going to come out with a compromise. So the Republicans offer some different concessions in exchange for the Democrats to basically acquiesce to the decision by that committee. And the primary thing is that Hayes, if he gets in, they want him to withdraw the federal troops from the South and they want to accept the results of an election there in the, uh, quote, unredeemed states of the South. And so the Democrats agree. And on March 2nd, everything uh, gets kind of settled and shaken together. And Hayes gets elected. But on the downside, Reconstruction is over, uh, officially at least. And on April 3rd, after Hayes is in, he says to Secretary of War, George McCrary, hey, get those federal troops out of their stations at the South Carolina State House, get them back to their barracks. And a few days later, well, a couple weeks later, he orders them to send federal troops at St. Louis Hotel in New Orleans back to the Jackson Barretts. And that is uh, pretty much it for reconstruction. Yeah, I can see that we could probably go back and redo our episode about the election of 1876 in light of more recent elections where things are considered so controversial ain't nothing as controversial as 1876 you could make the case for what 1820 was it 24 28 24 yeah yeah um my goodness 1876 this has got to be the craziest and if we had the internet back then it would be even crazier i would imagine definitely but we have Hayes, who all his life is being portrayed as very pro-abolitionist. Yes, he is a moderate, but uh, defending freedmen and, and so on. And then you get to this compromise, which, yes, he does ascend to the presidency, but he becomes known as the guy who ends Reconstruction. If you're a Republican, you would say prematurely. If you're a Democrat, you're loving it because finally, uh, yeah, while they didn't win the presidency, they did get their way. And Hayes cannot run for re-election because it's just too controversial. Yeah, and you have to imagine, well, you know that in this election, one of the biggest things that the South was moving for, and I said South, I meant to say Democrats, but let's face it, sometimes in this era, they're the same thing. And the Democrats in this era, really, their main priority is to make sure that the stinking government gets out of their states in the South and they stop this Reconstruction uh, mess. So, yeah, they're pretty happy with the result, even though they didn't get their guy. They still got their 
solutions or their you know their end goal done. So Hayes during this time says, quote, my task was to wipe out the color line, to abolish sectionalism, to end the war and bring peace. To do this, I was ready to resort to unusual measures and to risk my own standing and reputation within my party and the country. And so, uh, you know, he really doesn't get that done. Uh, He fails to convince the South that racial equality should be a thing. He fails to convince Congress to appropriate funds there. Yeah, the civil rights laws don't really move forward right right away. So really good intentions, but maybe you would say that the entire uh, Reconstruction ending was kind of a, a big halt on that piece of our history. Yeah. And yeah, you get labeled as the person who ended things prematurely or your legacy is going to take a hit. So I don't know. Would you rather be president? and not get your way on 100% of the things? Or would you rather be president or not get to be president and fight on another stage? I don't know. For Hayes, yeah, yeah, it's one of those things that's like, um, I don't know. I don't know. Now we can look back on it and say, well, slavery was so horrible and the way Reconstruction ended didn't bring any finality to the way... uh, uh, civil rights legislation could have happened and enforcement of some of the laws um, didn't happen for many, many a decade after. But right. that's just the way history happens sometimes. But we also have no guarantee it would have turned out differently had Reconstruction continued. I mean, it would have helped probably, but yeah, it's, it's tough to say. Yeah. So some of the things that Hayes felt strongly about was the whole concept of reforming uh, the civil uh, appointments and getting people into other positions of authority in the government. And I alluded to that earlier about when he was a congressman, he butted heads with uh, some other members of Congress. And of course, he did butt heads with Andrew Johnson on this, but he was able to secure some more reasonable ways of appointing people into high positions in government. And some of the other things that he's known for doing is dealing with uh, railroad strikes and an issue that would come in the upcoming decades was the whole issue about silver and gold. Uh, He presided over many of the opening acts of what to do about the future of currency. Uh, A lot of his foreign policy dealt with Latin America, and we could probably do a whole series on Latin America. And and probably the biggest thing, uh, as far as uh, somebody who loves history and loves travel, in 1880, Hayes goes on a 71-day tour of the American West, and he's the first sitting president to travel west of the Rocky Mountains. That's a pretty cool distinction, I would say. I don't know if it was it the first president period to travel or the first president while in office or I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah. it was while yeah. in so, office. I mean, yeah. it's still pretty cool. You still kind of get out there and, well, meet some people, see some things. But widely, it's kind of kind of still just open area where there's nothing really going on uh, for the most part. So I guess a lot of the West is like that, too, anyway, right now. But I kid, but also it's true. And another thing that would come up in the following decades after the Hayes administration was the idea of 
an alcohol-free White House or an alcohol-free nation. And um, Lucy, his wife, was very much all about being an ab... And Lucy was very much about the whole temperance movement, which would rise to prominence here in the following decades. Uh, Her nickname, Lemonade Lucy because she didn't serve anything but lemonade in the White House. And of course, you know, this helps with, um, in the future, some of those arguments against or for prohibition uh, and for bringing about, to some extent, a dry White House, which I don't know. It seems like they were in the minority of all the presidents and, and presidents' families, but that's fine. Yeah, the whole pendulum, though, Ben, I mean, my goodness, people were drinking on the House floor. You know, a couple of decades earlier. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I can see, I can see where the idea of the temperance movement came from. Yeah, at first she was fine with it. And then all of a sudden she was like, yeah, this is out of hand. We got to stop. So Jason mentioned that he only serves one term, but really he declines actually to serve for a second term. Uh, he had pledged that he would only run for one term and he was pretty happy about Garfield coming after him. So he ends up uh, going back to Spiegel Grove and, you know, during the time where he's back there, he serves in some different um, legions and uh, some different fraternities and things like that. Some, you know, orders that he's a part of. But, uh, you know, overall, the people who come after them, him, he's kind of OK with even the people who aren't necessarily part of his party. And so he becomes a you know, real big advocate for some charities, including ones that are all about education. And uh, he gets appointed to the Board of Trustees at Ohio State because he helped found it. So, of course, he should be on the Board of Trustees. It kind of just makes sense. Um, He becomes kind of a, uh, well, he's really concerned about the fact that the rich are so rich and the poor are so poor. And gets, you know, has some concerns about how society will progress with uh, that large of a gap and everything. Uh, in a few years after that, in 1889, uh, his wife does uh, pass away, and of course, he's very sad. Um, his daughter, Fanny, ends up becoming a uh, traveling companion of his, and they go and uh, see lots of different things And um, until he dies from a heart attack on January 17th, 1893. And uh, his last words were said to have been, I know that I'm going where Lucy is. And so, uh, yeah, has his funeral. He gets uh, buried in Oakwood Cemetery, later gets moved uh, at a different point. But uh, that's kind of where we leave Rutherford B. Hayes. Yeah. So in Latin America, he is kind of well-known, believe it or not. And uh, there is quite a a legacy uh, for President Hayes. And they might know more about him in certain parts south than we even know. (laughs) But... Yeah, so so ends the tale. Hey, it's not all downhill from here. Go ahead and go over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can uh, help us out, boost us up in the charts, and we would really appreciate it. Makes us really happy, and you know, of course, we don't have to tell you. It makes us do the happy dance. Yep. And what makes us do the happy shuffle? It's not all out dance. Is when you interact with us on social media. You can find us at Election College on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We will see you next time.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.